And our next topic is the slide to war. The slide to war. Because we have Tobias Elwood, a British member of parliament, who is now calling for the direct involvement of the UK and of the West in general. And he's been doing so for months now, but uh, he's made new calls, new fervent calls for a direct involvement in the Russo-Ukrainian war. And so reading this story, now by itself, it really didn't, by itself, it didn't set up too many alarm bells. It's like, oh, okay, that's another guy saying we have to go help Ukraine. Oh, it's another guy saying, oh, yada, yada, yada. We're going to be, we're, we're going to stand with Ukraine uh, as long as it takes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More money, more weapons. We, we need to be there by their side. It's like, okay, guy, okay, dude. But given what we talked about last week with Lindsey Graham and Blumenthal, last weekend, the week before that, I should say, with them essentially laying out a footprint, a, a blueprint, if you will, for how, how Ukraine can drag NATO into the war by attacking a nuclear power plant and then just letting, letting the natural bias of the propaganda press take its course. Because if Ukraine bombs a power plant, a nuclear power plant, and then you have fallout from the, the reactor meltdown, the propaganda press isn't going to go, oh, look, it was the Ukrainians shelling that. No, they don't tell the truth. They do not tell the truth. They will sit there and lie like their lives depend on it and say that the Russians did it. And once they say that the Russians bombed this, this nuclear power plant, and the one that we're primarily looking at is the one in Zaporozhia, but honestly, it could be any nuclear power plant in Ukraine, and they could just say that a Russian missile hit it. That's the real, that's the real danger here. We, we probably don't even know the name of the power plant that could be attacked, quote-unquote attacked, at any moment in time, and the Ukrainians will just say that the Russians did it. The propaganda press won't question them. They won't fact-check them. They'll say that the Russians did it, and by way of Blumenthal and Lindsey Graham, we they've laid out, okay, if this happens, well, then, then the fallout's going to affect the NATO ally. Article 5 is there for a reason. We need to be ready to be directly involved in Ukraine. Now you have this Tobias Elwood guy saying, we need to be directly involved in Ukraine. The escalation of the rhetoric has gone from we're going to be we're going to stand with Ukraine as long as it takes. We're going to give them the weapons and the money that they need to. Okay, it's time to put the boots on the ground. That's something that wasn't there before. That's something that wasn't there before, not to this degree, and certainly not from these prominent voices in America, Britain, and in other places. But then it's it's not just the escalation of rhetoric. It's the escalation of the kinds of weapons we've given to Ukraine. Because when the war began, it was artillery, it was small arms, it was rifles, it was bullets, you know. It was drones, javelins, and stingers, and eh. and then it and then it evolved to Patriot systems. The Germans had their their anti-air, their brand new air defense system that they didn't even have in their army yet. They came off the production lines and went straight to Ukraine. So we we started handing over the brand new weapons to the Ukrainians, the air defense systems, all right? All these things, 
you could say are necessary for the defense. All right. Okay. That's believable. An air defense system. You, you can't use that to shoot at other people. So, okay. It's defense. All right. We emptied the Soviet era equipment of the NATO countries that used to be a part of the Eastern Bloc. We gave it all to Ukraine because the Ukrainians ran on Soviet era equipment. Then the HIMARS started going to Ukraine, along with a third of our HIMARS ammunition. And, and at that point, it's like, um, okay, maybe we're maybe we're going a little too heavy into this whole standing with Ukraine thing. But it didn't end there, obviously, because then it the British gave them depleted uranium rounds. As and then they gave them their long-range storm shadow missiles. We gave them tanks, and there was a whole lot of talk last summer about the tanks. Oh, we're gonna give them tanks, these advanced, sophisticated Western tanks from America, Britain, Germany is gonna send them Leopard twos. We're gonna Britain's gonna send them the Challenger twos. America is gonna send them Abrams tanks. It's gonna it's gonna change the game. It's gonna change the battlefield. Russia can't handle it. And then when we finally got the numbers for that, it was oh the the, the Germans are gonna send them uh, two tanks. Then okay they they did send them more. Obviously they sent them like 20, 30 tanks. We sent them like 30, 40 tanks. A lot more Bradleys, but we sent them we sent them more than what the initial numbers that came out were. Uh, but more didn't mean meaningful numbers, okay? 20 tanks, 30 tanks, 50 tanks. That's not a lot. That's maybe a battalion. Not, okay, we can supply the army. We can supply a division with tanks. No, that, that's nothing. Especially consider that the Ukrainians can't repair or fix any of this if it breaks down or if it gets damaged. So, we did that. But there was a whole lot of talk about tanks. A whole lot of talks about tanks. Then we sent tanks. There was a, we, we, we said that we wouldn't send tanks. Germany said they wouldn't send tanks, then they sent the tanks. We said that we wouldn't send fighters. Now we're talking about sending them F-16s and other fighters from Europe. There, there's, there's been talk of, ever since we gave them HIMARS. There's been talk of giving the Ukrainians the ATACMS long-range missile systems. There, there's talk of bringing Ukraine into NATO, right? There's been all, all these escalations, all these escalations. We Didn't we just, uh, earlier on in this episode, I brought up that the United States is now sending Ukraine cluster bombs. A literal war crime. It is a literal war crime to use cluster bombs. And we're now giving them, handing them out for free, like candy, on Halloween to the Ukrainians for them to use against Russia. And yet, Putin's the war criminal? Like, even if he is, okay, let's not become war criminals ourselves, especially if you're going to moralize the conflict and say, oh, we have to be there, we have to help the Ukraine. Well, okay, well, let's not be the war criminals ourselves. We're giving them... We've given them depleted uranium. The Russians bombed that one storehouse of Ukrainian ammunition that had depleted uranium in it. So now a whole portion of Ukraine is going to be poisoned for uh, some years to come. The British gave them that. We gave them that. We're talking about giving them more long-range weapons. 
we're giving them cluster bombs. And we give them all these tanks, all these armored vehicles. We give them all these anti-tank and anti-air missile systems. It's just escalation after escalation. after. We give them $200 billion. And now we're talking about letting Ukraine into NATO. Now there's talk of a, of a Polish slash NATO intervention in Western Ukraine. You have Lindsey Graham and Blumenthal, again, laying out the roadmap to war, where if a, a nuclear power plant just so happens to be attacked in a way that leaks radiation, okay, well, now Poland's in danger, Romania's in danger, blah, 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 Article 5, and not all of, all of NATO can just jump into the war. And then you have Biden and other officials repeating that line that we've been hearing this entire war. We'll stand with Ukraine for as long as it takes. We will support Ukraine for as long as it takes. No plan for victory, no end game, no win condition. Because they can't tell you what the win condition is. It's the destruction of Russia, but that's never going to happen. Not, not by our hands, anyway. It's just escalation after escalation after escalation. Layer upon layer of commitment to Ukraine and the war that they, not us, that they are fighting, and there's just no limit. There's no there's no point beyond which we won't go. There's just more escalation. And now we're reaching a point where we are very quickly running out of room for us to escalate in this conflict without getting directly involved, without having boots on the ground. I mean, we already, I didn't even, I, I forgot to mention this in uh, when I was talking about the earlier escalations, but from the beginning of the war, we've been giving Ukraine access to our intelligence services and our satellites. Elon Musk let them use Starlink until they, they cussed him out on Twitter. We, we've been providing them real-time intelligence gathering. You remember those, those drones, those converted drones into sort of missiles that flew all the way to Engels Air Base, the one with the nukes in it, when, when I was making my case as to why Ukraine is a nuclear terrorist state, those drones had to have been guided, considering how deep into Russia Engels Air Base is, it's like, it's like past the Volga River. And the Volga is hundreds of miles away from Ukraine, away from the border, or at least the part of the Volga that we're talking about. The only way that those could have gotten that deep into Russia without being intercepted is if they were being guided by real-time U.S. intelligence of the Russian radars, helping the Ukrainians guide these missiles through to their target. The, the Ameri We've been giving them real-time information on the battlefield so they could respond whenever the Russians made a breakthrough. We've been belt-feeding them money, weapons, Intel, equipment, it's, it just never stops. It just never stops. We're talking about bringing them into NATO now. We gave them all this, all this money, all these weapons for this counter offensive that is now failing miserably. S there's, it's now estimated that there are around 20,000 casualties 
from this over the course of just the last month alone with this counteroffensive. 20,000 casualties. Which means about 10,000 dead if the fatality ratio that the Ukrainians have had, this abnormally high fatality ratio that they've had, holds up over the course of the offensive, which is nearly half of their casualties are usually deaths. That means around 10,000 men died in this. They went through hundreds of armored vehicles, dozens and dozens and dozens of tanks. And it and we're still talking about more money, more weapons for Ukraine. We're still talking about Ukraine achieving this final victory. We we flat who was that? John Kirby? John Kirby? Our what our national oh no, the spokesperson, the spokesperson for our national security. He flat out rejected the possibility of peace. Flat out rejected it. You had Annalena Baerbach in Germany saying she doesn't care what the German voters think. She's going to stand with Ukraine uh, until the very end. And going back before the war began, you had goof, you had goofy goober Jens Stoltenberg, who's been reappointed as the head of the, the, the NATO secretary general. He was out there talking wild shit about how Russia had no legitimate security concerns in the continent that Russia is. In the continent that Russia exists on, Europe, Russia has no legitimate security concerns. Like, really think about this. And and we're constantly expanding NATO. We're, we just expanded NATO into two countries now. And we're trying to add Ukraine to that list, which is why this war began to begin with. NATO expansion running hard up against Russian red lines. The, it's just escalation after escalation after escalation. And we're even now talking about nuclear escalation. Ukraine attacking nuclear facilities, and we still support them. We support a nuclear terrorist state. They attack Engels Air Base, where Russian nuclear missiles are, nuclear warheads are. They attack Chernobyl to try to slow down the Russian advance when they first came in. They attack the nuclear power plant in Kherson. They attack the nuclear power plant in Zaporozhye. They attack nuclear power plants all the time. And they, they're still attacking it. They're still attacking the dam, the, the Novaya Kokovka dam, which, if damaged badly enough, could cause serious damage to the Zaporozhye nuclear power plant. And they know this. And, and they keep doing it. They keep doing it, and then we keep rewarding them with more money and more weapons. And now we're talking about direct involvement. Because the war is not going our way, so now it's time for the boots on the ground. You had Poland talking about it, an intervention force. You had, you had the talk of sending peacekeepers into Ukraine and just unilaterally imposing a peace without consulting the Russian side, if you send peacekeepers into Ukraine without telling the Russians that they're there, they're going to get bombed. And then you have dead NATO troops who were killed by Russian artillery. 
And that's a case for war, as stupid as it might have been to go in, you'll have a case for war then. And you have all of NATO going to war with Russia. You have Blumenthal and Lindsey Graham talking about, oh, if, if there's a damage to the power plant, or if Putin uses a tactical nuclear de device, Putin's not you're going to use a tactical nuclear device. Just stop it. Just stop it. They know he's not. And they know that he's not the one attacking power plants. It's the Ukrainians. They know this. They have intel. All these same, the same intelligence committees, not committees, intelligence agencies that have been belt feeding Ukraine real-time intelligence, they know who's attacking these power plants, and it's not the Russians. The IAEA went in, and the Russians had to escort them in and out of the power plant because the Ukrainians were still shelling it at the time. And yet we continue to endorse this through our actions. And now we're talking about direct involvement into this war. It, it just doesn't end. There's no upper limit to how far we're going to go with this Ukraine thing. And that is incredibly dangerous. Because if NATO ends up at war with Ukraine, I mean, not at war with Ukraine, if NATO ends up at war with Russia, it's a wrap. It is a wrap. Not just for the Baltics or for Finland, for that matter. Assuming that the Russians choose to fight that war in conventional terms, because they, they could just go nuclear. They honestly could just go nuclear if they really wanted to. But I don't think that they want to. But if push comes to shove, they will. We should not be provoking them and putting them in a situation where they even have to make that choice. But we just we we just can't leave it alone. You, we, Ukraine has been given multiple olive branches. Minsk 1, they refused. Minsk 2, they refused. Unofficial Minsk 3, they refused because we came in, we intervened and told them it was better, it was a better idea to fight a war with the Russians than to make peace. We told them it was a better idea to fight the Russians than to make peace because we didn't want peace with Russia. Because we could not accept a neutral Ukraine. And now Ukraine dies. And because we fucked up, and we, we simultaneously have leaders who are too immature to admit that they fucked up and come to the table, the negotiating table, and say, hey, what are your terms? We can hash this out. We can talk. They don't want to do that. They would rather watch the entire world burn than to lose face, than to be embarrassed, than to admit that they were wrong. And they would rather take all of NATO to war with Russia over Ukraine than to simply admit that they lost, that they made a mistake, that they got Russia wrong, that Russia was not a gas station masquerading as a country, but that it was a great power. They don't want to admit that. They don't want to admit that they were wrong. They don't want to admit that their dream of dismantling Russia was just that, a dream, a pipe dream, a fantasy, and it's never going to be realized. They don't want to admit that. They don't want to acknowledge that we're not as strong as we used to be. And it's a result of their globalist, anti-humanist policies of deindustrialization. They don't want to admit that. They don't want to admit that they have made this country and all of the West, save for Russia, because Russia didn't go along with it, they made all of the West weak. And now that weakness is on full display.
they don't want to admit that they can't win a fight against Russia. Because that means that they can't do jack diddly or squat to China. And they definitely can't say that to China. They don't want to give up the crusade for their democracy. And it's important to recognize their democracy, not democracy, their democracy, where they get to choose who the leaders are. And if you, the voter, has different opinions, then they simply overthrow the person that you elected. Their, their democracy, not you. They don't want to give it up. They don't want to give up their control over the world. They don't want to surrender the empire. And they would rather send everybody to war and have everyone die in nuclear fire than to go home. And that is the real danger we face, dealing with people like this. This is the slide into war. It's not, it's not a slippery slope anymore. We're sliding. We're sliding. And unless something changes fast, we could wake up one day to some bum in the White House telling us on Twitter, oh, they, oh yeah, by the way, we're at war with Russia. That is the danger. But let's hope it doesn't get to that. Let's seriously hope it doesn't get to that. But all we can do is hope and pray. All we can do is hope and pray that sane people win out in the very end, even if those people just so happen to be the, the China Hawks. Ironically, they might be the ones to save us from this impending catastrophe. But hopefully someone has enough uh, maturity or uh, scruples to say that, you know what, this Ukraine thing, it's just not worth it. And it's time to put it down and leave it alone. Russia won. Let's come to the table. What are your terms? Okay, let's work this out. And I hope that that's what happens. But honestly, we'll just have to wait and see. We will just have to wait and see. But that, my lovely listeners, is all that I have got for you today. We have, we've, t- we've covered a lot. We've covered a lot. We had an interesting lesson in pursuing real interest by Turkey. We had, we have a crackhead in the White House. And then, of course, we have the specter of nuclear war looming over us at all times. Because... Some people just can't handle being wrong. But in my heart of hearts, I do believe that it won't get to that point. I don't think we're going to go out in a blaze of nuclear glory. uh, At least not now. Not yet. But, again, we'll just have to wait and see. But I do hope you've enjoyed today's uh, broadcast on my geopolitical podcast. Yeah. The world is definitely changing, definitely changing with breakneck speed, I gotta say. Who could have expected it to move so fast? But no matter what happens, no matter how fast it happens, we will have fun watching that change together. Now, I've been your host, Sean Wade, and you've been listening to This Week in Geopolitics. So until we meet again next Monday, servus. This segment was taken from my podcast, This Week in Geopolitics. I have new episodes every Monday, so if you like what you heard, consider giving me a follow. Thanks for listening, and 
Hopefully I'll see you next time. Servus.